Last week we took a look at the prophet Isaiah and introduced the understanding of Advent, meaning coming, and us waiting for Christ to come, not just for Christmas to come, but looking forward to Christ coming again. This week we move to the New Testament. If you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, uh, we'll be starting in verse 5 and we'll be moving around a little bit there in the first couple of chapters of Luke. We all know the story of Mary and Joseph, but in the Gospel of Luke, uh, that story is interspliced with another story. It's the story of Zechariah and his wife who have a son named John. You know him as John the Baptist. At some, in some way, a relative of Jesus who proclaims who Jesus is. And it is that story that we are interested in today. Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Notice he doesn't call his wife old. Advanced in years. He's wise. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered, and were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them, And remained mute. And when his time of service has ended, he went to his home. Here ends the reading of God's word. Zechariah is a priest, married to Elizabeth. The Bible says that they were both righteous before God and blameless. I have news for you the Bible says that about very few people. 
These are good, good people. But they have no children. It's very often in our day, people choose not to have children. But, but in those days, it was a big deal. That you didn't have a child to take on the, the family legacy. Zechariah is in a family of prophets. And if he doesn't have a son, that means he doesn't have a, a priest to follow in the line. It would have been a great disgrace. Would have been a curse, they would have thought. Had God abandoned them, was God punishing them for not having a child? Actually, this is the same place that Israel is in at the time. You don't know it because you just flip the page and you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But there's a 300 year period in there where God is not heard from. 300 years since the prophets spoke. Oh yes, they're back from exile now. But the Romans are still in control. Worship continues. But are they just going through the motions? It's Zechariah's turn. It's his shift. And they cast lots and it's his turn to go in and light the incense. Are they expecting God to actually be there? They haven't seen or heard from God in generations. Is God still with us? We haven't heard from him in so long. Israel is in Advent, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth are, waiting. Will God show up? Is he still with us? Does he still hear us? And God shows up. He shows up right there in the temple, where he should be, right? It's the house of the Lord. But how many times had Zechariah gone in and lit those candles and not heard from God? He was obviously continuing to pray because the angel says, your prayers have been answered. But was he expecting an answer? Or was he at a point of just lighting the candles, going to worship, saying the words, but still not sure? Surprise, surprise, he goes where God is supposed to be and God is there. Maybe that angel was always there. He just didn't know it at the time. The challenge for us is to keep expecting God to show up even when we go through days when we feel like we're just going through the motions. The text says Zechariah is troubled and fear fell on him. Modern translation, he freaked out. Right? That's probably how we would all be when we see an angel. In fact, every time an angel is seen in the Bible, you get a phrase like, fear not. There's a reason why they always say that. Because the person is freaking out. Of course, he freaks out all the more when he hears the promise. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. But really, it's two promises, right? Not only is his prayer being answered, that he's going to finally have a son, but Israel's prayers are being answered in this one too. The angel is alluding to this one coming ahead of the promised Messiah who will announce him, who will pave the way, prepare the way in the wilderness for this one who is to come. And Zechariah can't believe it. I'm old. My wife is advanced in years. And it's a little late in the game for us at this point. This is impossible. But no, it's not impossible. It is impossible if God is distant and not real. It is impossible if he has been abandoned, cursed, or left 
But if God is real and God is there, then it is not impossible. And so Zechariah is cursed. He's in there. He's in there longer than he should have been so that everybody else gets nervous. And when he comes out, he can't speak. And so he's flailing his arms. You can imagine the scene, right? Flailing his arms, trying to show like wings, you know, get me a notepad and a piece of paper. I got to try to describe this to everyone. Later, he goes home to talk to Elizabeth. Imagine that conversation. You ever thought about that? He can't speak. He can write, but we're not sure Elizabeth can read. In fact, probably she can't read, which means he's got to write it down or try to play charades with her. But just that day, no, nine and a half months, he can't speak. Elizabeth must have been ticked, right? Imagine the conversations, all the planning, the prep, wondering what your child is going to look like. What will he be like? What does it mean that this angel has these, have these promises about him? What will it be like to hold him for the first time? His story is confirmed as Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's belly begins to grow. And they wait and they wait. But he cannot speak. They wait not with wishful thinking. They wait with hope. They wait believing that something is going on. Hanging on to that truth. That's a different kind of waiting than nervously waiting. Waiting with hope. That's what Advent is. As author Henry Nouwen puts it, waiting is never a movement from nothing to something. It is always a movement from something to something more. Let me say that again. Waiting is never a movement from nothing to something. It is always a movement from something to something more. God had always been with them. They just didn't always know it. They didn't always feel it. And now God was doing a new thing. God was going to be with them in a special way. And not just them, but all of Israel. Hope gives way to peace. This kind of hope is the kind of hope that makes you peaceful even when you're waiting and you're nervous. In the Gospel of Luke, spliced into this story is the story of another birth promised by an angel. In Galilee, a young woman named Mary. She hears this good news from the angel. Well, it is good news and it isn't. It's good news to have this child in her womb it's good news that this, sa- this child is the savior of the world. One of the songs that has become a classic song of Christmas is the song, Mary, Did You Know? Just a wonderful expression of what this must have been like for Mary. But it's also bad news. Will her family believe this whole Holy Spirit thing? Will Joseph? The angel makes her no promises about how everybody else is going to react to the news. She's not given any assurances of that. She's betrothed. That means more than engaged. For Joseph to end this thing, it has to be a divorce. If he divorces her, then uh, if he doesn't divorce her, Joseph doesn't divorce her, then he's acknowledging that the child is his and they would both be shunned and ashamed. To save face, what he really needs to do is demand that she is stoned for her adultery. But Joseph doesn't want to do that either. Mary doesn't know what he's going to do. And so the text 
says that she goes and visits Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary arises and goes with haste. We don't know if she talks to Joseph or not. It almost makes it sound in the text like she gets out of town. Not sure how to handle this with her family. Not sure what to tell Joseph. She books it up to Elizabeth's house. Some kind of relative of her. The text doesn't really say that to us. But she wants to go to somebody that she knows will accept her. Somebody who is also pregnant and can feel those kind of pains. But also maybe someone who has a weird pregnancy from God. There's not too many people in Israel that fit that description. And so she goes to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth gets excited. So does John the Baptist in her belly. And she confirms what the angel had told her. Mary sings a song called the Magnificat here, and and it's a a wonderful expression of of what God is doing. But then she's got to go back and deal with this, and we know the story. We know Joseph eventually has a dream. We don't know when, but he has a dream as he's sorting this out and finds out that, no, he should have this baby with her and name him Jesus. And then we return back to the birth of John the Baptist in Luke 1.57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they received her with joy. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, Inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed. And he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came upon all the neighbors. And all the things that were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts. Saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Finally, after nine and a half months of waiting and not speaking, Zechariah can speak. His name will be John. All the relatives are pushing for a good family name. But John and Elizabeth say no. We're going to follow the angel and name this child John. John the Baptist is here to announce the Messiah. He started doing it from the womb. And he continues to do it the rest of his life until he is beheaded. Where Jesus, his relative of some kind, they probably knew each other well, uh, mourns that loss. All hills are talking about this little baby Jesus, or this little baby John. But meanwhile, with no one to wonder who we will be, with only shepherds to celebrate and talk about it, with only a manger to be laid in, the Messiah Jesus is born. 
Joseph is there too. The angel has confirmed he should stay with Mary. That first Christmas was pretty rough on these families. They waited for things to unfold, and they probably drove each other a little bit crazy in the waiting. Holidays are still tough on families, aren't they? Families are easy pickings for TV and movies, full house, modern family, my big fat Greek wedding. We all have those families, those quirky people, those odd dynamics, those awkward moments. Some people easily angered, others too controlling. Some who won't talk and others who can't stop. Some who never say what they're thinking and someone who, is way, who are way too forward about their communication. God help us when we get these people together at holidays, right? It can just be worse. The stress, the emotions of the holidays. People to avoid or to control or to keep out of trouble. Secrets to be kept empty places at the Christmas dinner that this year we're mourning. But in that big, fat, dysfunctional family Christmas that we all seem to be a part of, we see something important about Advent. We see how much we need Christ to come back. We need healing. We need things to be made right. We're waiting for God in real life, not in some fantasy world, But when Jesus comes, he comes to the real world and has something to say about it. And we who sit in this real world wait for him to come again and say something more. Waiting for God in real life, not wishful thinking, but hopeful thinking. Not waiting for God to to move from doing nothing to doing something. But understanding that God is already doing something and waiting for God to do something more. Maybe this is the way we get peace with our families at the holidays. To take on this perspective of Advent, of waiting, of hopeful expectation. Maybe we can get a little more patient with our families. Instead of wanting to kill them, maybe we'll pray for them. Instead of getting caught up in the drama, maybe we'll have a different perspective of waiting in hope that God is doing something and someday we'll do even more. Actually, maybe this isn't just good advice for families. Maybe you have a big, fat, dysfunctional job situation. Maybe you've got friends that are really dysfunctional, or maybe you're the one that's dysfunctional. Maybe this isn't just good advice for Advent or Christmas either. Maybe this alternative perspective is the way Christians are supposed to live all the time. May God grant you the peace as you wait with Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, and Joseph for our Savior to come. Let's pray. Lord, a lot of us have things that stress us, that worry us. Family is a big one, but we also have work. We also have health concerns. We also have friends and family that are going through their own problems, but they weigh on us. As we wait for you to show up at Christmas, as we wait for you to show up in your second coming, and as we wait for you to show up in some of these real-life circumstances, give us the patience that comes from real hope. Let us believe that you are at work and will be at work even stronger in the future. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.